Congratulations to Russell Wilson for going from being the third best quarterback in the NFC West to now being the third best quarterback <laughs> in the AFC West. <laughs> Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Tuesday, March the 8th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Long time no see, friends. Glad that we are back. This has been the first show on this feed since, well, the Titans exited the playoffs. Leading up to that weekend, we did a show. I think our last show was the XL Divisional Round Preview with Zach Lyons of Football and Other F-Words. And then... We've gone, we've gone dark on this podcast feed until today. We are back, and I'm no longer using the royal we. We now is including our new friend. You probably have heard of him on Twitter or on YouTube or on Patreon as No Flags Film. He is James Foster, and he's going to be joining me, joining the show for the foreseeable future. We're going to be diving into a lot of really interesting topics. I think James is going to bring a lot to the table and James, I'll allow you to introduce yourself. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, I'm excited to join you, Easton. Uh, my name is James Foster. Some of you might know me as No Flags Film. Uh, I make YouTube breakdowns, uh, film breakdowns for the Titans, NFL draft, all that good stuff. Um, and I'm excited to be teaming up with Easton. Uh, got a lot of good off-season talk uh, that we're going to be going through. Got some- Oh, yeah. Got some great guests lined up and uh, should be should be a fun show. We do. So James and I are going to be kind of tag teaming this show for now. It's going to remain the Titans 10. But, um, you know, as the season went on last year, the the staying true to the title of the show, the Titans 10 often became the Titans 15, 20, 30. 40. Um, we got a lot to talk about in the offseason, and that's what we're wanting to tackle. We're wanting to tackle the draft, free agency, all of the offseason topics. We're going to have guests on the show. We want to do a mailbag seg- segment regularly. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a rebranding of the show coming up soon. We're not, I'm just going to I'm just going to tease that for now. This is what we call a tease right here. It's going to be under a different name, same podcast feed. Same podcast content. Uh, it's going to be James and I still doing the same thing, but you know, new name, new title, uh, reflecting the newness of our show, the, the direction that we're going to take this podcast feed. And we've also got some interesting and exciting things lined up with the 440 Podcast Network, who we're already affiliated with uh, under broadwaysportsmedia.com. But uh, this show in particular and 440, we got some exciting things in the works in the next couple of weeks. So there's a lot of exciting moving parts on the show today. We're just going to treat it as a, you know, an introduction of James, an introduction of what this new show is going to look like, but it's a perfect day for us to really dive into what this show is going to be. All of these incredible off season topics that we want to, to cover over the coming weeks, because today was the first massive and I cannot overstate how massive it was day of the 2022 offseason calendar now technically the offseason is you know the new season doesn't begin for another couple of days but this was the first big offseason news day and there were four or five really earth-shattering topics that we that we want to get to in today's show that happened today we want to break it all down for you um this is going to be you know live the evening Tuesday evening uh, after the kind of an aftermath 
segment. Now that the day is, is gone, the 4 p.m. Eastern time franchise or transition tag has passed. So the dust has kind of settled. We're going to break it all down, whether you're listening on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, or later in the week. We're going to go through all of it for you. And in particular, talk about what it means to Titans fans and to the Titans, the context of the Titans in, in the league, in the AFC. So going chronologically here, this morning, the first news to break was Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. The news was first broken by Pat McAfee this morning, right before his show aired, I believe, at 10 a.m. Central Time. He, his source being Aaron himself, uh, he said that Aaron was going to stay in Green Bay. And it was then reported by NFL Network. Tom Pelissero was one of the first, if not the first. It may Actually, I think it was Rappaport that was first, but Pelissero. Uh, was on it as well. The details on Rogers deal, which have now kind of come into question, but the reported details this morning were a four year, $200 million deal that would make Rogers the highest paid player in NFL history, which would be a, a whopping $153 million guaranteed and his cap number going down. But that was then brought into question by McAfee via Rogers. Um, McAfee pretty much flat out said that's not true. And then Rogers tweeted later in the day that he, he said, Hey, everyone just wanted to clear some things up. Yes. I'll be playing with the Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate as are the supposed terms of the contract. I quote signed and quote, I'm very excited to be back. Hashtag year 18. So Rogers for sure back his deal, you know, not what has been widely reported and, and speculated this morning, the $200 million four year deal. I'm sure he'll be getting paid pretty handsomely, you'd imagine. But uh, it was talked about on McAfee's show in the aftermath of of that news coming out that he was probably going to be taking a a much more team-friendly, cap-friendly deal because it's not about the money for him. So, you know, he's staying in Green Bay. And and I think, personally, that was what I expected him to do. I tweeted out uh, a month or two ago that I expected him to be back in Green Bay the way that the NFC and the NFC were shaking out. That was going to be the best for him. James, do you think he made the right decision staying in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely made the right decision, especially given his chemistry with Devontae Adams, who the Packers obviously are the only team that has the opportunity to franchise tag Devontae Adams. Um, And then also with LaFleur, just kind of the way that they've sort of adapted that Shanahan offense to – really thrive in the quick game. They have a a really innovative RPO um, scheme and philosophy. And so I I think that offensively, they are really kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, I think you look at, obviously, Jair Alexander, um, the health concerns, not sure what's going to happen with him. But I think they have a lot of great pieces on that defense, even with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith probably – on their way out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody points to the lack of success that they've had in recent years getting deep into the playoffs. But to me, that's kind of a sample size thing. I think that, you know, this is, I think there are definitely other places that he could have had a, a really good shot, but I think that uh, what they've got there with that core in green Bay is about as good as you can get as far as having the opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl. Right. I didn't find this move really shocking at all. You look at 
the discussions around his improved relationship with the front office, his relationship with head coach Matt LaFleur, his relationship with a lot of the players and guys in that building, the Packers bringing back his quarterback uh, coach that that they let go. And it, it caused a bit of a rift between them a couple of years ago. They then brought him back. Obviously, Rodgers, I'm sure, had a hand in that. I don't think that guy would come out of retirement just to to quarterback coach Jordan Love or whoever, not knowing that it would that it would be Rogers. So that was a pretty, pretty good indicator a couple of days ago that that was probably where this was trending. Um, the details, again, of his deal, it doesn't seem like he's agreed to any deal. So all we know is he's verbally committed to return to the Packers and and they they did end up franchise tagging Devonte Adams. So he and Rogers will be back this season, at least uh, it, it seems in Green Bay and in the NFC, which is important to the Titans, obviously, because the AFC is just so top heavy with elite quarterback play. So I, I tweeted out after the announcement that Rodgers would be staying in Green Bay, that this was great news for the Titans and all AFC teams and all AFC fans that the the AFC is is not going to be bringing in Aaron Rodgers to have to contend with. So all you have to worry about essentially are the likes of Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, you know, just a small core of elite quarterback play you have to worry about. But then that ended up being nonsense, maybe 30 minutes after I tweeted it because there was a second massive move today. The Denver Broncos completed a trade with the Seattle Seahawks to bring in Super Bowl winning and multiple Pro, pro Bowl uh, appointed quarterback Russell Wilson. the The haul of this of this trade is pretty dramatic. The Seahawks are receiving two first round picks, two second round picks, a fifth rounder, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fant. Whereas the Broncos are receiving Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick. That fourth round pick, I, I find funny that, that they just had to get that fourth rounder in there. Um, a little bit of a trade swap, I'm sure, with the fourth and the fifth. But the Seahawks are, I mean, essentially dead at this point, right? The, the Seahawks, they had been very quiet on the Russell Wilson front, which is is abnormal to what they had been doing last season. Well, they, I mean, really mean Wilson himself wasn't making nearly the stink that he did uh, in in free agency or not free agency, but the offseason last year, this year was very quiet. And I guess in hindsight, maybe that should have been an indicator that maybe this team was behind the scenes looking to deal him and wanted to maintain the leverage. They told Russ, hey, won't be you know so loud this time about wanting to get out so that we can have leverage and we'll try to deal you. And they did. The Broncos uh, ended up getting not the quarterback that they had been rumored to be in the market for Aaron Rodgers, but they end up getting an elite quarterback nonetheless. And that division is just super daunting. Yeah. I mean, congratulations to Russell Wilson for going from being the third best quarterback in the NFC West to now being the third best quarterback <laughs> in the AFC West. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Kind of. It's funny. Like I don't have any strong opinions on Russell Wilson uh, like on the field, I think he's, uh, you know, a top seven perennially quarterback or whatever. Right. But given how just goofy, I think his whole like shtick is of like, if you listen to him mic'd up. Uh, the so way you're not a fan of the, uh, the golden boy demeanor. Yeah. I'm, I, I was kind of just like lost in the ether of kind of like 
being, um, you know, just ambivalent towards Russell Wilson, but there's kind of this, this, this opinion that I keep seeing on Twitter that Russell Wilson's a terrible quarterback that I'm just kind of latching onto, not a hundred percent seriously. Like I think he's a good quarterback, but I do just think it's funny to say that he's bad. So that, that might just be my, <laughs> my shtick this year. Okay. That Russell Wilson's not, not any good. Yeah. Like I, I'll definitely at some point this off season, if I get bored enough, I'll tweet like Tannehill greater than sign Russell Wilson. Okay. And then, uh, especially if the not, Titans beat not, them, not answer, year. not answer anybody's questions. Right. Well, I mean, you might be able to do that if the Titans managed to beat the Broncos this year, because, uh, the the Titans do have to face this division that is, I think, easily, like by a country mile, the best quarterback division in the entire NFL. You've got Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, now Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. When Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in your division, that's a really, really good division of quarterbacks. Um, yeah, someone, I, someone tweeted, like, Derek Carr is the best, worst quarterback in the division of all time, which I think is probably true. I that's mean, probably true. Well, I, I, saw, I saw this on Twitter, and, and genuinely I think it is an interesting question. Are the four quarterbacks in the AFC West alone better than the four best quarterbacks in the entire NFC? Because you've got Mahomes, Wilson, Herbert, and Carr versus who? Rodgers, Stafford. Prescott and Kyler. Wait, so you're saying that you're saying Derek Carr's better than Aaron Rodgers? That no, 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 oh, no. You're I'm saying, I'm oh, saying you're collectively saying the, the top. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, Rodgers, Kyler. Hold up. I got to pull up the standings. So we've got who would be in the conversation would be like Matthew Stafford, Dak, right? Uh, Kyler, Aaron Rodgers. And geez, the NFC that's South is a wasteland. Yeah, Matt I mean, Ryan, I, like that's the end of the list. No, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely take the the AFC West. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a gauntlet. Yeah, and going to be a gauntlet specifically for the Titans because unfortunately the Titans go from in 2021 having to face the stacked NFC West as their NFC division of choice that year to they now have to play the AFC West. They're the, that's the AFC division the Titans play this year. So they're going to be hosting, I believe they're going to be hosting Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And yes, they'll host Wilson and the Broncos and Carr and the Raiders. And they will be traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs and Mahomes, as well as to LA to play Herbert and the Chargers. That's a brutal draw to have the 2021 NFC West and then the 2022 AFC West, just in terms of quarterback competition. Yeah. I mean, last year heading into the season, I was kind of uh, pessimistic about the Titans outlook just because I thought their schedule was so difficult. This is true. And they ended up kind of overcoming that. Um, I saw some because they went what three and one last year against the NFC West. Is that right? they beat LA yeah. they beat San Fran they lost to, lost to the Cardinals beat but beat yep. yeah yeah so if they could do that again I'm sure that'd be a massive W I mean having I having the having the Jaguars twice and the Texans twice and honestly balances the Colts twice kind of balances it out I mean the Colts mm. are fine but like that's a take not, yeah yeah no, I'm with you. I'm with but, you. But I mean, we'll we'll have we'll have tons of time to to get into schedule predictions, which are my favorite thing. 
I, I don't sense any sarcasm in that statement. Backslash S. Yeah. 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 So Russell Wilson to the Broncos. The the C the Seahawks side of the equation here is is pretty pretty brutal, man. It's a tough scene in Seattle this morning, um, or this afternoon rather, because they get Drew Locke at quarterback. Unless they you, you got to think they draft someone, right? I mean, you can't. But first of all, Pete Carroll is seventy years old. Is he really like? Is he wanting? Is he going to want to stick around to do the whole rebuild thing? I don't I don't see that happening really. Like. I think Pete I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm retirement not sure. question mark is not being talked about enough right now. I'm I think it's more like Pete Carroll mutually decide to go somewhere else because I mean I'm not oh. sure from Seattle standpoint what Pete Carroll has really done since the Legion of Boom to warrant being like considered this um, safe coach who's not on the hot seat. Um, and especially when you look at the way that him and what's the GM's Schneider. Yeah. Dan Schneider? Schneider. Yeah. Dan Schneider, the way that they've just, I got to be careful with criticizing drafting because it's such a crapshoot, but they've just made so many. I don't, their drafts are awful. They're really bad at it. <laughs> terrible decisions. They're really bad at it. LJ Collier in the first round. Um, yeah. I mean, the the amount of I a website I use all the time is consensus uh, is I think consensus mocks or consensus draft boards or whatever. Basically, just kind of um, where the entire media is is projecting and viewing these players. And if you compare the consensus board ranking versus where they were actually selected of Seattle's top two round picks for the past five or six years. I mean, it's just reach after reach after reach. And at a certain point, you know, when you keep missing on these guys, you've got to stop acting like you're the smartest guy in the room and just kind of just go with the layup, you know, instead of trying to get cute and take these guys that end up being busts. That's why if I'm a Seattle fan, it's great that you're getting these picks in return for Russell Wilson. But I mean, I tweeted that they're going to use their two first rounders on Bailey Zappi and Tyler Algier, which is honestly not that much of <laughs> not super out of I the mean, question. I like what I did is I literally went to consensus mock draft, scrolled down to the nineties and just like started looking for people that it seemed like positions of need. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, listen, the, the, they're the only like, good draft pick of theirs that I can think of off the top of my head in the last couple of years has been DK Metcalf, who, who knows if he wants to stick around. I know there's already been reporting that they're shopping, um, that they're shot. Who's their other wideout? Shoot. I'm blanking. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett. I've already heard that they're shopping Tyler Lockett Metcalf. He's in the same boat as AJ Brown. So he'll be on his fourth season this year. Um, but I can't imagine he, I mean, he's a guy that a little, little dramatic, a little bit dramatic, a little bit, a uh, little bit in his feels sometimes, especially when things aren't going great, at least in the past he has been. So I can't imagine that going super well, him and Drew Locke up there, Drew Locke slinging that thing. But um, an interesting part of this deal, tying it to the Titans a little bit, is that the Seahawks did get the three players in the trade, the third of which was kind of under the, the shroud of darkness, for a couple of minutes after the trade was announced, but then it was 
then it, it became clear that Noah Fant was that third player. The tight end from Denver is now going to Seattle, which I think is relevant because one of the, I'd say one of the, maybe not higher on the list, but high on the Titans list in terms of scheme fit and what they're looking for. Gerald Everett, tight end out of Seattle, who's a free agent. Um, he's a guy that I think the Titans would love to really look into potentially bringing on to the team. I, I could, would consider him a significant immediate upgrade at the position. Although to be fair, I consider most of the people on the tight end free agency list, a significant upgrade to the position for the Titans, but I digress. If they're getting Fant, which they are, I'd imagine they're probably not going to be pushing super hard to bring back a guy like that who could probably get more money elsewhere on the market. So that's something to pay attention to. I guess before we yeah, move on, I would mean, you consider Fant, Everett a, a good fit with the Titans? Absolutely, yeah. I really liked Everett um, in free agency last year. He was someone that I wanted the Titans to sign. I definitely think that uh, his skill set with Noah Fant, it's kind of redundant. So, uh, right. you know, I, I definitely don't really see them coexisting that well uh, in that offense. I think that, you know, I would describe Gerald Everett as kind of like 90% of Jonu Smith. He's a little bit less explosive, but he fits the mold of that undersized uh, tight end that can, you know, block at an above average level, can play H back, um, does a good job blocking on the split zone concepts that they run a lot. So, I mean, I think that Gerald Everett uh, would be a great addition to me. My big thing with tight end is just don't pay a ton of money. Um, the, the track record of big blockbuster tight end deals, uh, you know, in free agency is just not great. And so if you can get Gerald, Gerald Everett at a bargain, then uh, I think you absolutely do it. Yeah. Okay. So the, the third major deal of the day was and this. I'm not sure we're going to have much to, to speak on here, but Mike Williams receiver for the chargers was signed to a three year deal, $60 million, including 40 million guaranteed and 28 million in his first year reported by Adam Schefter uh, sourcing from ESPN. Uh, I think that's kind of a surprising number a little bit, at least to me for him. Um, although he is one of those receivers that I can, I just don't, I never know how to gauge how talented and how valuable I think, I think he is to that team just because he's so kind of in and out and the chargers relevancy has been in and out over the past couple of years. He's obviously a super talented receiver. Um, and when you've got a super talented quarterback, I'm sure they think that Herbert can get the most out of him that they can, but. Yeah. I mean, I like him as like a, a down the field jump ball kind of guy, which if you have a quarterback that is willing to be aggressive and push the ball down the field, like Justin Herbert, I, you know, they're a great fit, not a guy that I picture being that successful in the Titans offense. Um, no, for sure. I think that with the, for the Titans receiver two, they need, they need to be targeting like Keenan Allen type, not, Keenan Allen specifically, yes. just that route running technician separator, get open, uh, you know, whether it's through the draft or free agency, I think that's the archetype of receiver that they need to be looking for. Right. And well, speaking of the free agent market, it shrunk a good bit today as the finalized list of franchise tagged players came out. These players obviously technically aren't locked down to their teams because 
as as I understand it, the franchise tag is a non-exclusive thing, but it would involve another team signing that player to a tender sheet and then there being a, an exchange of mandatory first round picks. It's complicated and convoluted, and I'd be lying if I said I fully understood it. But um, when you get tagged, you're essentially going to be back with that team. Now, many of these guys, these teams are looking to sign them to long-term deals, which they can do before July 15th, I believe. They can then take the tag off of them, and they can operate under the new deal that they sign. But as of now, these players will be staying with their team. That list, eight players. The Packers tagged wide receiver Devontae Adams. The Bucks tagged wide receiver Chris Godwin, I believe, for the second year in a row, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, sorry. They tagged their other wide receiver last year, right? This year, Chris Godwin is – or wait, who did they tag last wait, year? Do you remember? No, I'm pretty sure they tagged Chris Godwin. Uh, here, we can redo Yeah, that. you're right. They didn't tag Mike Evans. They, they tagged Chris Godwin last year. So they've tagged him twice in a row now. Um, he's going to stay with the Bucks. You can check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And then the Bengals tagged safety Jesse Bates. The Jaguars and Chiefs both tagged offensive tackles. Uh, Cam Robinson will be staying with the Jags. Orlando Brown Jr. staying with the Chiefs. That was a a relevant decision. The Chiefs choosing to go tackle for the tag instead of uh, safety. So the Honey Badger probably going to be up and out of there in KC. He's getting up there in age. He had a good year last year. Um, You know, he did the best that he could on a secondary that struggled early in the season for sure. He's still got a little bit of juice left, but I'm not sure he's going to be worth the price that he'll be asking. Um, then the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Cowboys all signed tight or tagged tight ends, which is interesting that three of the eight players that got tagged are tight ends this year. But the tight end market is, to me, the most interesting in this free agency cycle. And these three tight ends were the three top tight ends on the market. So it, it kind of makes sense to me that these three teams decided to tag them, take them at that, uh, that tag price and, and retain that value instead of getting nothing for them in return, letting them go off and get really high value this year. So the dolphins tagged tight end, Mike Gusecki, the Browns are sticking with David and Joku and the Cowboys. wide receiver, Mike Gusecki. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that here in a second. The Cowboys stuck with tight end Dalton Schultz. Now, Mike Gusecki, this is an, this is a really interesting conversation. So Mike Gusecki, and I haven't, if you want to pull up the exact numbers or I can, he I lined know. up or has lined up in the past at, at in the slot or at wide out more often, if I'm not mistaken, than uh, in line, right? He, he's been playing, yeah. he's been playing receiver a good bit more than he has tight end. So it sounds like he's going to, potentially i don't know if it's if it's demand is the right word if he's going to challenge the the tight end designation of his tag now the tight end tag is is somewhere in the 10 million ballpark 10.7 something like that i believe and then the wide receiver franchise tag is in the 18 millions so it's a significant difference in money significant both to the player and the team obviously in terms of cap implications so if he challenges that, it'll be a really interesting uh, litigation there by the league to decide whether or not he can be deemed a tight end, even though he lines up at wideout so often. Did you pull up the numbers for that? Yeah, so this is just for pass 
this is just for pass snaps. Okay. Um, so it'll be the, the tight, the inline percentage will be a little bit higher if you included run snaps, but not too much, but just for pass snaps, Mike Gusecki lined up in line 7.4% of the time. He lined up out wide 29.2% of the time. And he lined up in the slot 62.5% of the time. And I, it's funny, you know, he, that's the, that's the lowest, inline percentage for any tight end uh anyone who's listed as a tight end second lowest at 12.8 percent is anthony ferkser uh if you're looking for player comps um but i mean i'm someone that i do a have a really extensive charting process for every game um and when i'm charting personnel i remember we played the dolphins and i'm i'm looking at it on the end zone view just basically trying to count the tight ends so i can say 12 personnel 13 personnel or whatever and i mean half of the time when I'm looking at that end zone view where you can see you're kind of like behind the offensive line, a lot of the times Mike Gesicki's not even in the picture. Like I, when I first look at it pre-snap, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, he's not in the game. And then, Oh no, he's running a deep crosser from, you know, seven yards past the offensive tackle. Um, so, I mean, just from that one small sample size of Mike Gesicki film that I've watched, he doesn't play tight end. And right. Yeah, I mean, I my thing with tight end is you don't have to be a great blocker, but you have to. The defense has to at least respect you as a blocker, and I don't really think that um, they do that with Mike Gesicki. What I will say, as far as his, you know, dispute with the contract is like that's something that he should have ironed out pre-draft, and he should have just come out as a receiver instead of oh pre-draft. Interesting. Yeah, like instead of because. Like a team's not gonna let you. A team's not gonna let that fly. If you like, once once the franchise tag starts to become a discussion, you want to switch positions to a more uh, a more highly paid one. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. He should he should definitely get the receiver money, but I'm not losing too much sleep over it. Well, and it's been tried once before, if I'm not mistaken. Jimmy right, Graham Jimmy in Graham. New Orleans. Yeah, and he he tried it, and I don't know. I saw earlier today, I don't know exactly what the comp is in terms of, uh, you know, the, the snaps and, and how much of a wide receiver Jimmy Graham was as compared to Gusecki. But I'd imagine actually Gusecki's- I read an I read an article about it um, of which I forgot about 90 percent of the information. But I remember that they they went through and counted how many times he's actually like pass blocking and run blocking on specific plays and it, it seemed like he was definitely more of a tight end than Gesicki is right and with Graham he challenged it and the league deny he was not granted wide receiver status he was tagged as a tight end so it'll be interesting to see that how that plays out how that dynamic might be kind of awkward if he were to challenge and get it it might screw over the Dolphins offseason plans in terms of the cap and if he doesn't get it, is he going to be a disgruntled player for the the rest of the year? Or is he going to even want to, you know, potentially come back after this year? Were they going to have to continue to tag him to keep him? It's an interesting dynamic. But in terms of the Titans, again, kind of looping back to the, the local narrative here. He was a guy that you, you heard clamoring a lot of people wanting to get him. There was a, a moment in time about a month ago or, or maybe less that there was a a not a report, but an article written positing the idea from a beat writer in Miami. Could Gusecki end up with the Titans? And it was headlined in a way that made it sound like there may have been some 
reporting going on that, you know, potentially, potentially that was the, like he was rumored to go to the Titans or the, the Titans rumored had, it was rumored that the Titans had interest in him, but that was really never the case. And it was the article that sparked a million Nashville local articles about whether Gusecki would be on the team, if the team was interested, if he'd be a fit all for not, he gets tagged and he, he really wouldn't have been a, a good fit at all with what the Titans need and want at tight end. Because again, he's a wide receiver, right? That's not what the Titans are looking for. Now that's not to say he wouldn't be an upgrade in some capacity. Cause again, I cannot, I cannot hammer this home enough. The Titans tight end situation is just so bad. So he for sure would have been an upgrade, not in blocking, but in receiving by a million miles, he would have been, but it just doesn't fit. It's not what this team's looking for. Well, I mean, if they, if they, the thing is, is it's like, just be honest about or be um, accurate about what role this player is coming into play. If they signed him and the discussion is, okay, he's going to be great as our slot receiver, then great. I'm all on board with that. Mike Gesicki's a really good slot receiver. Sure. But if we sign him and it's like, oh, he's, Signing Mike Gesicki does nothing, in my opinion, to address the need at tight end. Like you sign Mike Gesicki, you've done a hell of a lot to upgrade your receiver room. You still need uh, two and probably three new tight ends. So in terms of what's most pertinent to the Titan situation with these tight ends being tagged, Mike Gesicki, David Njoku, Dalton Schultz. I don't think that the Titans would have necessarily been going after any of these guys to begin with. I think that Schultz or Njoku would have been much better fits than Gusecki, obviously with the Titans, Um, probably Njoku in particular, in my opinion, but they're not available. What that does to the Titans, you know, I don't think it's a big bummer for them that those guys aren't available to potentially be wooed into Nashville, but I do think it's important to realize that with the, the entire top of the tight end free agent market lopped off. Now the, the supply and demand situation, it changes the calculus a good bit, right? Because whereas before, if all of these guys, including the three that were tagged today had hit free agency, and there was then this robust tight end free agency market for teams that were in need of a tight end to come in and, you know, shop at their price point, the price point would be set based on the top, the middle and the bottom class of available tight ends. Well, now the top middle and bottom class has, all been condensed in because the entire top has been lopped off. So with this list of guys that are available now, which is a, a, a healthy list, there's, there's plenty of options. Um, and I'll, I'll pull it up here in just a second while, while you comment on this, James. But while there are a lot of he- healthy options at tight end still available, and the Titans should still absolutely be going after at least one free agent tight end, a guy that can come in and be an immediate impact proven starter for this Titans team. I do think it probably changes in a, in a bit of a negative way for the Titans, what it's going to look like for them shopping for a tight end in this free agent cycle. Yeah. I mean, I really, um, the, the bottom half of the tight end market is really where I was focusing a lot of, kind of what I wanted for the Titans guys like Max Williams or um, you know, like OJ Howard, if you could, if you want to kind of bet on whatever upside is still there with him or somebody like CJ Uzama, Uzama, CJ Uzama. Uzama. Yeah. Um, you know, someone like that to me, I'm looking at one to two year deals uh, that aren't going to be that significant of cap hits. Uh, and 
you know, guys like um, who's who's the who's the Cleveland guy, Austin Hooper, Hooper. who you would probably have to pay more. Um, well, and the Browns you know, are reportedly going to try to bring him back as well. They're going to want to spend like twenty million dollars on tight end alone, which is an interesting choice. But yeah, or like Rob Gronkowski, whatever you know, he would be willing to do. Mm, I, I just a lot of the, a lot me. of the guys that you would have to end up paying a lot are just not that attractive of options for me. So I think that, um, you know, how, how it changes the, how it changes the market. We'll see. Uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting with this, you know, the, the salary cap being raised after it stagnating last season. And you had like the receiver market was a lot uh, less active than people expected. It's going to be really interesting to see how it kind of course corrects this season. Um, you know, my, I, I, I'm sounding like a broken record, but my thing with tight end is like, you don't have to get game changers. Just be adequate, be okay at tight end. Just like, just get some guys, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't think that you have to have like a top five tight end room to be a successful offense. I think receiver and offensive tackle are, still where I'm the most focused in the draft and um, in free agency, especially with receiver. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And so the guys that are still, I mean, again, the list is still really robust available tight ends out there. I'm, I'm with you. They should be targeting the, the middle to lower class of this market, but you've got guys at the top, just kind of picking out of this list that I don't think they'd necessarily necessarily be after like a Zach Ertz, um, and, and Evan Ingram, which I don't even know if you can consider him the top. He had a really weird year in in New York last year, but but I Vito I Evan think, Ingram. Yeah, I don't I don't think that he would be a fit. And he also had a weird year, and he'd be probably more expensive. He's just all of the things. The other thing idea. you have to, the other thing you have to keep in mind with Evan Ingram is that he's not good. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so there's there's that. He he it would just be a bad idea. Rob Gronkowski, uh, big Bob Tunyon up there in Green Bay, who would become, he, I find him really interesting. Um, I like his play style a lot. Just coming off of an injury he had late in the year, wouldn't love that. Um, he wouldn't be a perfect fit, but I, I'd be curious to see. Just because the Packers situation with the cap, I don't think they'd be in a position to offer him a ton of money. So I'd be curious what his market is. Um, but then the kind of the middle class of this, like you said, Eric Ebron, no. Tyler Conklin, I think, would be great with the Titans. Yeah, I don't know I what like kind of Tyler market Conklin. he's going to have. I kind of feel like looking at this new list, he's, he's one of the names that kind of sticks out to me. So he may, you know, with the top being lopped off, they might be priced out of him. I'll be curious to see what kind of market he demands. Like we said earlier, Gerald Everett out of Seattle would be a great fit. O.J. Howard is an interesting one that was talked about a lot last year. You know, you and the thing some, with the thing some, with the top of the market being cut off is like that's true, but also those are the those are teams that need tight ends that are now out of the market. So, that's true. That's true. Like I don't I don't think the I don't think you're gonna get this huge um, you know sway in the market just because of that. It might adjust a little, but I don't think I don't think you know the Titans are are getting priced out of Tyler Conklin necessarily just because of these franchise tags. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll see. I mean, obviously I, it'd be better for the Titans for me to be wrong on that, but we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Um, a couple of other guys on this list, Jared cook. I, I don't know what the situation is out there with him in LA. I'd assume uh, they're going to want to get, you get Jelani woods in the draft. That's the same thing. 
Yeah, yeah. And you, I believe that's who you tweeted that you said was a good comp. And, and I tweeted that they could just follow the same same model that they did with, with Jared Cook, right? The yeah, Titans I mean, drafted I like to Jared think- Cook. Bring them in. They're a bust for four years. You let them go, and then they become a star elsewhere in the league. So we can just we can Groundhog's Day this thing into into perpetuity. I like to think of the Titans, um, just their path going forward as being an incubator for uh, <laughs> for undeveloped talent, where guys kind of right. learn the ropes of the NFL. They get used to everything, and then go somewhere else and flourish. And we get right. the comp pick. I mean, and, and then like proud parents, they let them go and exactly, yeah. yeah. Like dropping your kids off at college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe Jelani Woods could be that for the Titans. But um, the rest of this list, rounding it out, you've got guys, a couple of washed up older guys on here. Jimmy Graham, Jared Cook, or sorry, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Hayden Hurst is interesting, I guess. Um, I kind of like Hayden Hurst. I do too. I don't I don't know. If, if the Titans brought in Hayden Hurst as the premier upgrade at tight end and then drafted a third or fourth round tight end and that was the new tight end room Hayden Hurst and a third or fourth round tight end rookie would you be happy with that as a Titans fan I would be happy with that I don't think a lot of Titans fans would right Um, that's two different questions I guess a a lot of I'm one thing that I'm learning now that I like have somewhat of a, a profile like in the Titans community is that I'm way less I'm like way more conservative with my cap spending it's like it it seems like everyone else is just like oh yeah man like uh dane crookshank get whatever you do whatever you can do (laughs) to keep keep him him not split up the secondary and i'm like well i mean he's a nice player but nine million yeah (laughs) i feel like i feel like our calf would be maxed out if twitter was uh in charge of it but anyways i mean I, i i'm cool with that because uh and obviously it would depend on who you draft. I really like Briley Moore, who was an undrafted free agent last year. Like I had a third round grade on him uh, and he got injured in the, in the preseason. But I, I think that's, that's an adequate tight end room. Um, I, I just don't want to be the team like last year, like the Patriots with Johnny Smith, where like, I don't, you don't want to be the team where everybody's, quote tweeting your contract and being like wow that's a ton for that guy like you know like we give we give robert ton robert tonyan three years 40 million or something like sure that's yeah that's my biggest thing is just don't do some disastrously expensive contract and it's fine (laughs) okay we could continue to talk tight end but we'll cover that more later i'm sure multiple times in the offseason the last topic of today which it's been a long episode but there's been so much to get to today, so it, it certainly hasn't been for lack of interesting things to say. The most pertinent to the Titans offseason situation in this Titans show, of course, naturally coming last. Um, it was kind of last in the day, though, because it was announced at the very end of the the day in terms of the window to tag players, the 4 p.m. Eastern window. It was announced about 15 to 20 minutes uh, before that window closed, I believe, the Titans would not be tagging outside linebacker Harold Landry uh, per sources, according to Adam Schefter, I'm, I'm sure, and others. Tom Pelissero also had it. Um, some local perspective on it. Teron Davenport, local ESPN reporter on the NFL, friend of both of ours, friend of the show, hopefully have him on the show in the coming weeks, by the way. Um, he tweeted that although the Titans have not placed their franchise tag on Harold Landry, 
He's been told that they will that they have full intentions of keeping him here in Nashville and that the team knows how significant it is to keep their front four together. Now, I know that you have a very um, not interesting per se, but very different perspective on the Landry situation with the Titans than most. I don't want to get into that per se today because we have plans to discuss that later in the week. And trust me, folks, we will be discussing that later this week in entertaining fashion. I think that you'll really enjoy that. We'll tease that maybe a little bit at the end of the show, but the Titans not tagging him, his, his price, if they were to have tagged him, would have been in the $18 million ballpark, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it would have been it would have been 18.7 million to tag him uh, the outside linebacker position for for next year if they had done so. But they didn't. They avoid that. And if the team and Landry have not reached a deal by Monday, he will hit the free agent market. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Titans won't sign him. Obviously, he'll be a free agent. That window extends through to July 15th. They'll they'll be able to sign him and any team after Monday essentially will be able to sign him. So they'll work with him exclusively over the next week to, to look at potentially getting a deal done long-term, but if not, he'll hit free agency and, and, you know, be liable to go anywhere. My question for you, because we don't want to get into should they, shouldn't they um, prices and all of that just yet. Do you anticipate the Titans trying to get a deal done in this next less than a week before uh, they lose the exclusive access to him? Or do you think this is maybe a slow play situation for them? Yeah, I absolutely expect them to come to a long-term agreement with Harold Landry. Um, just based on every, you know, the way that the coaching staff and John Robinson have talked about him, um, the things that they value uh, when they're making those decisions, I fully expect them to reach a long-term agreement, I would put it at like 85% if I was just, you know, and that's not a sourced claim. That's just kind of me right. ballparking it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have a uh, um, really interesting guest on that we're going to kind of debate slash discuss the Harold Landry situation. Just kind of a, a brief synopsis though of my thoughts are it's that he's a good player um, I think if we end up signing him to a long-term deal, it will be an overpay, but you know, everything is so, it, you know, deals just kind of in, in the discourse, it's everything is either the, the best bargain ever. Or it's just the worst deal. I don't think that's going to be the case with Harold Landry. I think it's just going to be like a slight overpay. He's a really good player. I just don't think that he's that skilled of a pass rusher and probably not where I would go with my money, but I think it'll all be kind of a moot point because I expect the Titans to re-sign him. That would be my guess. Yeah. And it's certainly an interesting perspective that you have. Um, you make a, a good case. You you've, we've talked about it more, uh, you know, off air and on Twitter, but it is interesting nonetheless. And like you said, we'll be getting to that with a guest, hopefully either later this week or next talking about the Landry situation, what the Titans should do. But with that, we will end this long introductory episode um, of the new show. I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion, uh, talking about all of the news of the day. Before we go, just a, a brief uh, bit of, of housekeeping here. We got more shows coming the rest of this week, so make sure that you're subscribed. If you're listening to this, you're probably subscribed. But if this is your first time listening, first of all, welcome. Second of all, subscribe to us, Spotify, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Um, eventually, hopefully, this will be on YouTube as well. We'll we'll keep you updated on that. Follow us on Twitter at Easton Freeze is my Twitter handle at No Flags Film and at the Titans Ten BSM. That's the show Twitter account. Follow all three of those accounts on Twitter to keep up with us, interact with us, uh, tweet at us, send us questions. D- both of our DMs are open. DM us questions. We'll we'll discuss and set up a more formal mailbag situation in the in the coming days for the for the next couple of weeks. We know you guys have questions. We want to answer them on the show and shout you guys out. So we'll set that up. But in the meantime, if you got questions, hit us up. We love interacting and talking with you guys. Follow James at No Flag Films on YouTube and subscribe to his Patreon. And for James Foster, I'm Easton Freeze. We will talk to you soon.